Government. We all know it's important to understand, be it state, local, or national, but doesn't the thought of it just make you want to, well, drink? If so, you're in the right place. I'm Angel Romero, your politics and pints aficionado, and this is Ballots and Brews, where we'll talk all things local beer while also diving into what in the world is happening at the local, state, and national government and what you can do about it. It's Schoolhouse Rocks meets the Daily Show meets C-SPAN, so let's get this show started. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of Balance and Brews. We have another exciting show on tap tonight. As we always do, we're going to recap uh, all the craziness happening down at the State House and, of course, things happening um, in our local government as well. Um, but as always, we are going to begin our night with beer. Uh, but we are so excited to have uh, with us tonight. Uh, you know, we, we've loved getting to talk to, to local bars, local establishments all throughout uh, the community. And, of course, when you think local bars in Japan, I feel like Specs Bar and Grill is one of the first ones that you think of. So we are so excited tonight to have uh, both Madison Michael and Debbie Herod from Specs Bar and Grill with us. Madison and Debbie, thanks for hanging out with us tonight. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Now, to, to start off with, as I mentioned, you guys are a name that's pretty well known in town. But can you tell us a little bit about the, the history behind Specs? Um, this is Debbie speaking. My dad started it in 1957. Awesome. And he promised my mom he would only do it a year because she <laughs> be in the bar business. Well, he did it 27 years, and before he died, he sold it to me. Awesome. And then um, I put food in, and I put alcohol in. And my daughter, Madison, is going to take it over um, in 2024 in November. Oh, my gosh. And so... She'll be the third generation. And then my granddaughter works for us one day a week. So we have four generations working there. But Madison will be the third generation owning it. And she knows what she's in for, all the hard work. Yeah, <laughs> um, for sure. I was going to say, you had lots of, uh, lots of mentors, lots of experience over the years. Uh, yeah, I'm <laughs> my mom firsthand on everything. And I'm like, all the stress and the, all the hours she puts in. I bet. <laughs> Seven days a week, that lady is always at it. Oh, my goodness. Now, and we should remind folks, if you want to remind folks, too, where your current location is. And then have you guys always been at that location? Yes. Yeah. So our address is 2113 Southwest Mission no, Avenue. No, no, no. Oh, 2105. Uh, 2105. There so we go. <laughs> 2105. Uh, so we're a Southwest Mission. Uh, 21st Engage. Yep. Absolutely. And so that's the original location. That building has always been there. And it's the same building that Grandpa started in. That's awesome. I was going to say, how cool is that to still be in, in the same building uh, that your grandfather started? Um, It's amazing. I mean, I see all these old pictures that, I mean, pop up through our memory, like our <laughs> photo books and all the changes that she's made. And just the original location is amazing. And it's, it's surreal. Absolutely. Well, and, and Debbie, too, you know, you've probably seen uh, Topeka has changed uh, a lot in that time frame as well. So I bet you've probably seen a lot of changes in the, in the city, too, over time. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> because before, you know, not many places had alcohol and you had to be a private club. And yeah. like on Election Day, um, the beer joints or places 
that even sold cards could not um, be open on election day, just like the VFW. Oh, wow. And so, and that, I'm guessing, you know, the change was 20 years ago, but, you know, we always had to close till seven o'clock at night. So, on election day and, you know, going from um, three, two beer, which we just had, and then they raised raised the age to 21. Yeah. And some people could drink for a while and then they couldn't. (laughs) Right. And so that was, that was some of the biggest changes and, you know. Yeah. I I could imagine being like, I was just thinking about that. I could imagine being like 19 at the time that that law changed and you're like, ah, finally, like I've made up over 18 and you're going and all of a sudden, nope, (laughs) it turns out now you have 21. That's right. Next day you're done. <laughs> oh, that would suck. <laughs> yeah, that, that was that was a, a big change. Oh, absolutely. Uh, well, and especially for Topeka. So as I'm not a Topeka native, but as I understand it, you know, that 21st Gage area, that was getting close to probably what the outer bounds of the city was at, at one point in time. Oh, absolutely. 21st and Fairlawn. Yeah. Gravel because I grew up in a house next to the bar. Oh, that's awesome. So, <laughs> yeah, I know this neighborhood. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, when folks come to, to visit Specs, uh, for folks who have never been before, you know, what can they expect uh, when they come to visit? How would you describe you know, the atmosphere and, and whatnot that folks can expect when they come to visit? Um, well, in the daytime, you know, we have all of our regulars that sit up at the bar (laughs) and we know all of their drink orders and (laughs) they're all really friendly. Um, and then, you know, it kind of shifts at nighttime because I work at nights and she works during the day. Sure. It's very different. Like the people you see throughout the day, but everyone's always so nice and everyone's going to have a conversation with you and it's. I don't know. It's just really different being in like a small bar than like a, a chain restaurant. Sure. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and, and speaking of that, too, you know, when we think about um, food and drink, you know, any kind of uh, food and drink specials that you want to talk about? Well, we have um, our three pound burger. That's <laughs> our thing we sell a lot of. We sell a lot to grow to go. Ah. Uh. Um, it's not a 16-inch bun cut in eight pieces, so each piece is over a quarter pound. Oh, my gosh. And it comes with homemade fries or homemade chips. And that's kind of a drawing, yeah. you know, for families. But then after about 8 or 9 o'clock, um, it changes to the college students. And so that's really where Madison comes in. And I'm glad she works nights. Yeah, the younger crowd is at night. And I mean, it's still a really good crowd. And it's all of our drinks. Um, we have special mugs, like our domestic mugs are on special for $4. And every day during the day, we have new uh, daily food specials and then on Saturday we also have a quarter pound cheese filled bacon wrapped hot dog <laughs> that we make in the kitchen and it's 
beyond amazing. And that it comes sounds amazing. With, <laughs> yeah, it comes with homemade chips. It's kind of like heart attack and a bug. Yeah, I was just going to say. <laughs> <laughs> it is really good. Oh my goodness, that's awesome. And is this, are these the kind of the original, the original menu that, that came from your father, Debbie? Um, no, he didn't have a kitchen. Oh, okay. Um, that's right. He had these things called Stuart sandwiches that you put in this thing and they kind of burn and the wrappers burn. No, he uh, wasn't having food. Sure. Um, it came apparent, um, you know, the bar business was changing and um, the families, people got more conscious about smoking, you know, cigarettes before. No, oh, sure. Uh, never thought about killing us, you know, in the car, <laughs> pack of cigarettes. Right. And so then, you know, we had a non-smoking, I started the food and I could see that just three, two beer wasn't going to do it anymore. Sure. So we added the um, food and it was fun because you would see families bring their families and we see a lot of third and fourth generation um, people come in and we are, do um, homemade chicken fried steaks and we grind our chicken fries and pork tenders and oh, nice. So we make our own bread, and so that's a big draw. But no, my dad, you know, you, and then later we got a microwave <laughs> with hot dogs. That was the hardest food we made. <laughs> that's awesome. I'm glad you specified by the three-pound burger that, like, families eat that. Not, not that I'm opposed to, like, I'd probably eat a three-pound burger on my own, but it's probably better to, like, share it with other people. It probably, probably looks better that way. <laughs> Well, we also have a challenge about the three-pound burger, too. Oh, I was going to ask. So if you can eat it under an hour with the burger and then your choice of the fries or chips, then you get it for free. Nice. And we take a picture of you. Nice. A lot of people have came close. We have a lot of people that try it, but once you, <laughs> once you get to those fries, it's just so filling. I was going to say, yeah, the fries are probably what would do me in. That's whoo. <laughs> Man, this is, for those of, those of you listening, we are recording this interview right before dinner, so I am now starving, just so everyone <laughs> knows. That was a bad time. <laughs> uh, because, well, and then, you know, speaking of um, events, you know, are there any um, events that you all typically have had, or any, any events um, coming up that you have planned? Well, we used to do um, Open Jam every Sunday, now that... Uh, with the COVID. Sure. We haven't um, started again. And this summer, we hope, because we have a stage outside, yeah. to be able to be uh, do music again. And, you know, you just have to go to our Facebook page, Specs Tavern Topeka, and that tells you the events. But COVID has kind of changed sure. how we've done things. Oh, sure. Absolutely. So, yeah, well, hopefully, hopefully this summer, the weather being nice and people, hopefully we will get back together outside and be able to hopefully enjoy music outside again. We hope. Yeah, absolutely. Fingers crossed for sure. Well, and, you know, one of the things you guys kind of alluded to this earlier, but, you know, law, uh, you know, our local lawmakers, local legislators have been looking at all kinds of laws in the last couple of years uh, that pertain to, to all things uh, alcohol. Um, has that impacted uh, your business at all recently or are there any things that you're kind of hoping maybe lawmakers might take a look at um, that could help? Um, no, it's been nice to be able to sell um, drinks to go. Yeah. 
Um, besides that, I can't really think of anything that impacts us one way or the other. Sure, absolutely. That, that drinks to go, that, that was huge. And the fact that they made that permanent, I, I was like, you know, I was like, there are a lot of things I can say about the legislature, but making drinks to go permanent was a pretty good deal. Yeah, <laughs> I'll give them. I'll give them some points for that. That was awesome. <laughs> uh, well, and you mentioned your Facebook page, so you know, in terms of people being able to keep up to date with the kind of latest, greatest happenings uh, with you guys, would Facebook be the best place to look? Yes. Yes. Awesome. Or you can always call us too, and we'll let you know if we know. Hey, there you go. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, folks, there you go. Make sure to check them out on Facebook. Make sure people stay up to date on, on all the latest and greatest happening over at Spence. Uh Ladies, is there anything else we need to know before wrapping up today? Yes. Um, yeah. So going back to our specials. Um, oh, yeah. On Tuesdays, we have a Taco Tuesday. Nice. And so it's dollar hard shell beef tacos and then $2 taco burgers. And then nice. if you take them to go, it's $1.25 for the tacos. Oh, my goodness. That's awesome. I and love a good Taco Tuesday. Yeah, we also have a $1.99 margarita, too. Nah, I mean, that's a, that a cheap but, but delicious-sounding meal. That's yeah. pretty awesome. <laughs> Very cool. Well, hey, Madison, Debbie, thanks for, for hanging out with us tonight. Thank you for having Thank us. You. Absolutely. Hey, anyone out there listening, if you take on that three pound uh, challenge, we want to know. Uh, so make sure to post on social media. We're, we're going to throw, throw that challenge out to our listeners to go over to Specs and try that three pound burger. That sounds pretty awesome. Uh, well, for everyone out there listening, go ahead and stay tuned. Up next, we're going to have our beer flight of the night where we'll recap all the happenings this week in state and local government. So stay tuned. You are listening to Ballots and Brews here on KSF 785 Live Radio. Seven Eight Five Magazine is proud to present KSEF Digital Radio, Topeka, Kansas. That's the thing you're listening to right now, and we're celebrating everything local and everything Topeka. Learn more at seven eight five live dot com, and thanks for tuning in. All right, folks, it is time for our beer flight of the night, where we cover the latest happenings in state and local government. So we are going to start off with our friends with uh, city government tonight. And we are starting off with the ARPA wheat on our beer flight tonight. Um, so first off, can we just say Tuesday's meeting of the city council was like a masterclass in what makes city government so great and also so very special. Uh, it was in some ways like a Parks and Rec episode come to life. I mean, we had it all. There was an action item about demolishing an old building that folks had wanted demolished forever. And then there was the great fence debacle of 2022 that involves a dispute concerning a fence that was erected in the Potwin neighborhood. And there were emotions and everything. Y'all, it was peak city government stuff on Tuesday. Fence permits, demolishing buildings. This is a nitty gritty stuff that those fancy people in Washington don't get to get their hands dirty with. Uh, but the issue I want to focus on tonight is actually the one we've been following for a little bit now, um, and that's the issue of uh, what to do with this $45 million that the city is set to receive um, courtesy of the American Rescue Plan Act. Uh, as we mentioned before, the council had a workshop uh, a few weekends ago to kind of sketch out what it could look like to distribute this funding. Uh, the thinking coming out of that session uh, was that the city would spend about $35 million of that $45 million on infrastructure repair, uh, specifically related to improvements to the city's water system. Um, and then the city's uh, city council's policy and finance committee would be tasked with coming up with how to 
distribute the remaining $10 million. Uh, so on Tuesday night, after city staff uh, reviewed this proposal with council members, uh, council members had some thoughts uh, and questions and more thoughts. Uh, sort of leading the charge on a lot of this was uh, Councilwoman Valdivia Alcala, who represents District 2, uh, which includes a good chunk of the northeast part of the city. Uh, now, one of the stated goals that the city council had with these dollars was to help Topeka's low to moderate income population. Now, keep in mind, Councilwoman Valdivia Alcala has a strong background in nonprofit work, uh, probably one of the strongest on the city council when it comes to that background, uh, save for maybe Councilwoman Hiller, who also has a nonprofit experience. Um, uh, Councilwoman Valdivia Alcala questioned if there was essentially a different way to approach these funds to meet that goal of serving low to moderate income folks in our community. Her point really was that we have individuals in our city with a tremendous amount of need, more so than ever before, thanks to the pandemic and, and economic challenges. And perhaps now is the time to look at how we use those dollars to invest in people. Uh, the term human infrastructure came up uh, multiple times during the evening, um, and that kicked off lots of discussion about how the city council can appropriately determine what the needs are of low to moderate income uh, folks in our community. Um, and this is where, of course, I need to, to add in a reminder at yours truly here. Your host uh, works for United Way of Greater Topeka. So full disclosure there, United Way did present at the meeting Tuesday night uh, to share with the council our thoughts on how they can move forward with these dollars as someone who as an agency that, that has some expertise in this area. Um, United Way's position essentially was that um, they, we, uh, counting myself, have been convening meetings of nonprofit partners for two years now, um, and over that time have developed a pretty good list of needs um, where there's consensus from nonprofit agencies, um, and that includes things like safe and affordable housing, mental health and substance abuse, access to food, and child care. Uh, so United Way really urged the city council to seek public input uh, when it comes uh, to how to use these dollars and to keep in mind those issues um, where some organizations have already reached some consensus on um, the importance of those issues for our community. Uh, one thing that's key to remember about the recommendation on public feedback, remember at that workshop a few weeks ago, there actually wasn't any opportunity for public feed, uh, public input um, at that meeting. Um, and so so that was a, an issue of importance that United Way wanted to stress. Um, and I should mention to United Way suggestions were signed off on by 11 other nonprofits um, in the community as well. So where do we go from here? Uh, the city council did decide that they do want to hear more from the nonprofit community. Uh, so actually at next Tuesdays. <coughs> Excuse me. So next Tuesday's city council meeting, they're going to actually set aside time for nonprofits to come and talk to the city council about the needs they're seeing in the community as a way to guide the council on how those dollars should be spent. So this process is far from over. Be sure to tune in to the meeting next week to listen in on that discussion to see where the council goes. Uh, up next, we have to turn our attention to the folks at the state house, and we are starting with the schoolhouse IPA. Uh, this beer is in honor of the continued tension and battle between those who are in support of public education and those who advocate for school choice or what is sometimes called education freedom. Uh, this week, the, the House uh, K-12 Education Budget Committee held a hearing on a bill that would allow Kansas students to create education savings accounts through the state treasurer's office um, that would allow students to essentially uh, take a portion of state tax dollars and use them for enrollment at a private education institution. 
Now, these education savings accounts would cover the students' tuition and fees, books, transportation, as well as a number of other expenses um, at whatever private school they choose to attend. Now, of course, you can see where this goes. If you start allowing people to take their share of tax dollars and use it towards private education, all of a sudden, the pot of money you have for public education for everyone else begins to shrink. Um, in addition, and this is noted in the Kansas Reflector article about this issue, um, small districts could really be devastated. Uh, decimated if large numbers of their students decide to leave for private institutions. Uh, State Treasurer Lynn Rogers, who is actually the one that would be responsible for setting this all up if it passed, um, had objections of his own uh, for a number of reasons, including just the, the sheer difficulty in getting these accounts set up by the January 1st deadline that the legislation has. Uh, he pointed out actually another retire another type of savings account that their office was directed to uh, put together. It was actually a much smaller program than this would be, and it took them the better part of a couple years to get that uh, put together. So he had some real skepticism about being able to meet that January 1st deadline. Um, and he was also skeptical of the fact that the legislation only requires an audit of one private school recipient of funds per year. Um, and his contention was really that just auditing one school a year isn't really enough to adequately protect against potential fraud. Um, and there have been cases in other states of uh, schools um, that have been in this situation, private schools that then utilize these state funds. Um, and then there's all kinds of fraudulent activity. And so he really would like to see some more robust fraud protections put in there. Uh, for their part, uh, the school choice proponents say that the fears of harming public education by doing this are just simply not founded. Um, they cited a study, a survey commissioned by the Kansas Policy Institute uh, that showed that seven out of ten respondents agreed that these accounts should be made available. Uh, for the record, just so everyone knows, too, it's important to note the Kansas Policy Institute is a right-leaning think tank um, that does tend to promote conservative causes in the state. So just to note, when you see Kansas Policy Institute, uh, KPI, as they're co commonly referred to, um, just so you know um, who they are. Of course, one of the main challenges to this legislation is also the Kansas Constitution, uh, which provides that the legislature must provide a suitable education to children, uh, which would be at odds with this bill that would allow those dollars to go to private schools, who could then, of course, choose to discriminate uh, against students based on their religion, sexual orientation, academic standing, or a number of other areas. Uh, this is also proof that nothing ever really dies in the legislature. A uh, similar measure actually was passed last year by the Kansas House, uh, but never came up for a vote in the Senate. Uh, will, it, will it do so this year? You have to stay tuned to find out. And now, folks, uh, if you don't have a drink, that would be a really good time to do so, uh, because next up, we have to talk about the electoral sour. Now, if you've listened to this show for any length of time, you're aware that I am quite the nerd when it comes to all things elections, and so this issue is one that particularly grinds my gears. Um, as much as I hate to do this, think back for a moment to the chaos that was the 2020 election and the whole stop the steal, uh, stop the steal mess that Trump and his cronies drummed up. Uh, well, like Taylor Swift after a bad breakup, it seems that people just can't quite get over the fact that Joe Biden won the election and uh, that we've never believed them about their election fraud craziness. Uh, so much so uh, that Senate Fed Federal and State Affairs Committee had to be subjected to a presentation from, as our friend Davis Hammett noted on Twitter, the quote, my pillow slash Mike Lindell conspiracy theory crowd. Uh, the committee got to hear from uh, two dudes, one of who is going around 
around the country uh, saying that he is working to disclose election fraud in 40 different states and that the evidence is mounting as we speak. Uh, this guy's name is Doug Frank. You can look him up. He's from he's from Ohio. He's a math teacher from Ohio. It's always the math teachers. Uh, and he has this absolutely ridiculous presentation he runs around doing. He has this algorithm he came up with and he does this big flashy presentation and he claims that this algorithm shows that there was election fraud rampant in every single state in the United States in the last election. Uh, this is despite the fact that mathematicians have pointed out numerous problems with his algorithm and that there's absolutely no proof of any of the accusations that he claims. But man, does it sound really smart when he gives these presentations. He uses words like sixth order polynom polynomials and he dresses in his little bow tie so he seems very smart and professor-like. But y'all, make no mistake about it. It's bullshit. The whole thing. He also claims that the voter rolls in all the states have been hacked. A claim that despite being utterly laughable, election officials have been happy to respond to by showing the myriad of checks that are in place on almost a daily basis to make sure that voter rolls in every state are accurate and secure. Uh, he also claims that there must have been fraud because a lot more people registered to vote in the state of Kansas in 2020. This, I'm sure, having nothing to do with the number of people who are eager to participate in what was viewed as one of the most consequential elections in our lifetime. And y'all, this was just the beginning of the hearing. Uh, as our friend Davis noted on Twitter, one of the supporters of this nonsense claimed something was wrong because there are too many January 1st birthdays in our voter database. Which does seem odd, I guess, until you remember that January 1st is the birth date that's assigned to a class of protected voters in the state, i.e. Uh, folks who are victims of domestic violence uh, to protect their identity. And it's also the date that's assigned to missing data from people who registered to vote before the current statewide database was built. See, it's those facts things, those, those facts. They get in the way every time. Uh, state Representative Randy Garber also decided to chime in uh, during this committee on his theory that something was wrong with the election because Biden got too many votes in Johnson County, despite the fact that no Democrat has won Johnson County in a presidential election since 1916, and he thought this was simply outrageous uh, because, as we know, populations are completely static and never change, and voter behavior never changes or adapts, and thus people are always destined to vote for the same person regardless. Uh, that is why, in fact, the entirety of the United States South still votes Democratic. You guys, I swear to God, if it was possible to sprain your eyeballs from rolling them too much, I would have done so by now. All of this, of course, also flies in the face of our own Secretary of State, a Republican, who gave a detailed report to legislators and indicated that there is absolutely no evidence of widespread voter fraud in Kansas. And in fact, if you are looking to improve elections in Kansas, the Secretary provided legislators with a list of actual evidence-based things they could do to help improve elections. And so here's the deal. As annoying as all this crap about election fraud is, it's also dangerous, uh, not just to our idea of democracy, but also to individual people. Uh, you, you could take the case of the Georgia election official um, who was one of the ones that appeared in the surveillance video um, from a Georgia polling site that Trump supporters claimed showed her disposing of ballots. In reality, she was uh, sorting and, and, and uh, getting some bins um, set up and ready for the next day of counting 
making votes, uh, but people were just convinced that she was doing something nefarious with the ballots on the video. Well, as one eagle-eyed Trump supporter was watching the video, he uh, was able to see a ba- her bag, her purse in the video, and then from that video, he was actually able to track down where she got that bag and actually track down the identity of this poll worker, tracked her down to her house, and then proceeded to threaten and intimidate her. Uh, or we could look at the case of the man in Nevada who called election officials to tell them things like, quote, I hope you all go to jail for treason. I hope your children get molested. You all are going to effing die. I could go on and on. The people who buy into these lies not only believe them, but then they want to act on them. And in some cases, they want to act on them quite violently. Our democracy cannot be sustained when we have these kinds of completely unhinged people threatening the lives of those who are charged with conducting fair and free elections in this in this country. My hope is that the legislature doesn't buy into this craziness and dismisses these people for the crackpots that they are. But we will see. Okay, so after all those heavier topics, I had to finish our flight off with something a little calmer. So we've got the, oh my God, who's driving the car, Porter. Uh, This refers to a hearing that the Senate Transportation Committee held this week on allowing the operation of autonomous vehicles on Kansas Road. That's right, self-driving vehicles. Uh, Who said Kansas wasn't progressive? Uh, Well, really, specifically here, we're actually referring uh, to to self-driving semi-trucks, which is even cooler and crazier at the same time. Uh, so the committee actually heard from a, a lobbyist uh, representative from Walmart uh, in a company called Gaddick, uh, which apparently manufactures these vehicles. Um, fun side note, the lobbyist for Walmart was actually none other than Mike O'Neill, who is a former speaker of the Kansas House. So see, it pays to have those connections when you retire, y'all. Uh, anywho, this bill doesn't exactly allow open season for driverless vehicles or driverless trucks. Um, these trucks would essentially have to operate on fixed routes between to define places. Um, it would also put some restrictions on how these trucks could operate on highways, and so they basically have some very controlled ways that they'd be able to operate. Uh, Walmart and Gaddick see this as a way to get around the current shortage in truckers that our nation currently faces. Um, and they've actually been operating a pilot program with these trucks around the country. Uh, believe it or not, there are actually 44 states per the Kansas Reflector that have some kind of legal setup to allow autonomous vehicles, uh, but Kansas is one of the six that does not. Uh, this would help create a legal framework um, for these autonomous vehicles and it would prevent cities and counties from passing ordinances to limit these types of vehicles. Uh, something I'm sure the legal municipalities may have something to say about. Um, legislators, as you I, uh, naturally have some questions about how this all works. Uh, can satellites really guide the trucks along these routes? Uh, for instance, who is responsible for tickets that they may get, etc. Um, I just want to know if these trucks are able to like honk their horns if the kid next to them does a little like you know like horn honk thing with his arm you guys know what i'm talking about right like are they able to do that these are these are the questions that i have um so this is just the beginning of hearings on what i am here to for calling the transformer trucks um and so we'll see if this actually makes it out of committee and to the house floor um and that folks is our beer flight for tonight so stay tuned up next we've got our conversation with state representative jesse borjon that you don't want to miss you are listening to ballots and brews here on ksep so 785 Magazine is proud to present KSEF Digital Radio, Topeka, Kansas. That's the thing you're listening to right now. And we're celebrating everything local and everything Topeka. Learn more at 785live.com. And thanks for tuning in. 
folks, well, we are back, and tonight, as the legislative session marches on, we are excited to be talking with yet another member of Shawnee County's legislative delegation. Tonight, we get to chat with State Representative Jesse Bourgeon. Jesse, thanks for hanging out with us tonight. My pleasure. I appreciate you having me, Angel, on Ballots and Brews. Absolutely. On this, uh, for those listening, we are recording right now on uh, Wednesday, which is our Tuesday, which I think is Snowmageddon Eve, apparently, by the sounds of things. So we're, <laughs> we're gearing up for uh, our, our snowstorm. <laughs> well, Jesse, uh, to, to start with, can you remind folks uh, which areas of uh, Shawnee County are included within your legislative district? Absolutely. Um, I represent the 52nd House District, which is uh, which includes um, southwest Topeka and Shawnee County. Um, So I go south to 61st Street, west out to Hodges Road. So I cover a little bit of the rural area uh, of the county, uh, east up to Gage and north to the river. So um, my lines are a little bit choppy. So um, if you think of the Washburn Rural School District, yeah, the school districts um, in my uh, house district and uh, also we have a little bit of 501 uh, with French Middle School and um, you know think of Hy-Vee, Blue Moose, Cypress Ridge, um, kind of that area of southwest um, Topeka and it is honor, an honor to serve uh, the good folks uh, in the fifth, uh, 52nd uh, house district. Awesome, that was, those are some good, once you said Blue Moon and and happy bass at that, that I knew exactly where you were going. So good, good landmarks to know right there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, well, and of course, you're, you're a busy guy as well, because when you're not in the legislature, you're also a, a business owner as well. Can you tell folks a little bit about uh, what you're doing when you're not uh, at work in the Capitol? Yeah, I, uh, this is my first time on your program, so I thought I, I'd get, give a little bit of an introduction for those yeah. folks that, that are out there that, that don't know me. Um, uh, I'm a Topeka guy. I graduated from Washburn University, and I think that's, uh, Angel, that's probably where our paths uh, initially crossed. Yeah. Um, I was a student president there, which um, was uh, an experience that I'll, I'll remember forever. Uh, I had the good fortune of working in the Secretary of State's office um, for Ron Thornburg, uh, then Secretary of State. I, I started as his driver, uh, so I got to drive him around the state to his events and do constituent services, and I sort of worked my way up there. Uh, I was his director of public affairs, and I had the opportunity to run two of his uh, statewide re-election campaigns. Um, I had a short stint at uh, the Kansas Department of Transportation where I monitored um, federal funding for the state uh, highway program. Um, And then I served three years at the Kansas Corporation Commission as the public affairs and consumer protection. And of course, that's the agency that uh, regulates um, utilities in the state. Um, So uh, I have um, some some background with with state government, uh, which I feel very fortunate to have, and I appreciate having that background, um, especially with some of the committees that I've been uh, selected to serve on. Um, in 2015, um, Stacy and I decided that uh, uh, we wanted to take the opportunity to pr- pr- uh, pursue a, a business opportunity. So we opened uh, Red Door Home Store, uh, which is a brick and mortar uh, retail home decor store over at Fairlawn Plaza, uh, located at 29th and um, uh, excuse me, 21st and Fairlawn. Um, and we've done some expansion with that. Um, we were excited to open a seasonal pop-up uh, store over in the Leewood Market and had great 
success, which has been also good for Topeka because we see some of those folks um, that found us uh, over in Leewood uh, making that trip to Topeka and shopping with us at our Topeka location. And guess what? <laughs> they want to know where they should have lunch and what, the, what other shops and things oh, that yeah. they to do in Topeka. And so, uh, you know, we're really grateful for that. We've, uh, we feel like we've gotten a really uh, good response in the seven years that we've been in business over there. Um, and um, it's nice to have that small business background. Uh, one of the committees that I serve on, and I, I know we're going to talk about this a little bit more, is uh, the Commerce Committee. Um, so it's good to have uh, that background as a small business owner. Um, and then most importantly, and most I'm most proud of, is um, I'm, I get to be a dad of three. Uh, <laughs> Lauren, uh, Garrett is our oldest. Uh, Lauren is our middle. And uh, Parker uh, is um, is our youngest. And we are uh, just tremendously blessed uh, uh, with that. So um, that's a little bit about me. And um, certainly it's, it's good to be back in uh, state government and serving and representing the, the folks of the 52nd House District. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of a trio of, of experiences, really, that are helpful for uh, for serving in the legislature. I think, you know, knowing state government, uh, running a business, and being a parent. I think are probably all three things that <laughs> combined that are probably pretty useful in the legislature. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. Well, you know, it's, it's hard to believe. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it's, it's hard to believe that we're, uh, we're just about a month into the legislative session uh, right now, and, and it's uh, it's been a busy one, and it's picking up steam kind of as as we go. Is there anything that's uh, surprised you, I guess, so far this session? Well, as you know, I was uh, elected in, in uh, 2020, so my uh, my first year to serve was was 2021. Before I, when I filed, COVID wasn't even in our vocabulary. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, you know, I got to the Capitol um, in 2021, uh, January 2021, and you know, it was sort of a, a little bit of a ghost town. Um, oh, yeah. and it was very quiet and not, not, the, not what I was used to experiencing. So I don't know how, I, I, I guess what I'm most grateful for is that we're, we have folks back in the Capitol, you know, the page program is back. The internship program is back. Yeah. We're having, we're able to have receptions. We're able to have dinners. You know, there are folks um, in the Capitol um, doing tours. It's wonderful to hear the noise of the school group. Um, back in the Capitol. And it's really been an opportunity to get to know folks, um, get other members of the House, members of the Senate, state agencies, and, and some of those talented folks that are out there um, representing some of the interests in the state, you know, really getting to finally get to know uh, and build some relationships there. So um, I, I guess that's um, uh, probably uh, the biggest I don't know if surprise is the right word sure. that we're most grateful for. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't think, you know, it's, that is interesting. You, you know, make a good point that, you know, that building is so uh, active and boisterous during the, the session and, and throughout the year, of course. And so, you know, during last year when, when people couldn't be in there, that, that is a weird feeling. And you think for, for some folks, you know, that really is the, one of the only opportunities they have to really see state government um, at work if you come and visit the Capitol or come and visit your, your legislator. And so to not have had the ability to do that last year, um, you know, so that's a, a real uh, unfortunate thing to get to miss out on that. So I'm glad that people have that opportunity again. 
Yes. Yes, indeed. Um, you, you only could get in the Capitol if you were testifying for uh, before a committee. Uh, things loosened up towards the end of, of last year, but um, so good to have folks back in the Capitol and, and feels like we're getting back to somewhat of a, a normal state. Sure, sure. Well, of course, you guys have mentioned that there's been you know no shortage of, of issues that have already uh, <laughs> come up uh, this, uh, this legislative session, so we're just going to dive into uh, a couple of those. Um, and of course, things, yeah, things, you know, things kicked off with a, with a bang, so to speak, last week uh, as we decided to just ease into things uh, with a redistricting uh, debate <laughs> that happened uh, over these last uh, a couple of weeks. Um, so, of course, you know, we, we did see at the, the end of uh, or the middle of last week the, the Ad Astra 2 map that passed uh, through both the Senate and the House and is it's making its way to the governor's desk. You know, looking back on what feels like a whirlwind process over that, that week you know are there any any concerns that you had with that pro- the, the process that played out and, and the end product that you got and, and is there is there a better way to do this i think sometimes people wonder when they when they see this all happen is there is there a better way to do it well it's a great question um it's by no means a perfect process <laughs> um but the legislature is tasked with redistricting and redrawing district maps every 10 years um, based on uh, census numbers. Um, and as you know, it's the legislature is a political body, so the process can get a bit messy. <laughs> um, as you know, I ultimately supported the recommendation of the redistrict com- committee, and I, and I did vote for the Ad Astra map. Um, the committee spent a great deal of time collecting testimony, conducting hearings around the state. Um, they have very sophisticated mapping software that they use to create these districts. And, you know, we are required um, to sort of divide up the state equally um, into four congressional districts. And, um, you know, we, we've seen some significant population shifts from some for, from the more rural areas to the more urban areas. I know some of the controversy, controversial pieces of the map that was passed is, you know, splitting Wyandotte, you, you're, you're linking um, um, Douglas County and Lawrence with the, with the first. Um, and, and so we hate to, um, you know, divide those um, communities of interest, but at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's a math problem. And you've got to get the courts require us to have equal numbers in each of the districts. And because of the, the way the population has shifted um, and the pop, you know, the, the greater populations in the, in the, uh, that have even grown um, more significantly in the uh, more air, urban areas of the state, I mean, this is this is kind of what we ended up with. So, um, I continue to uh, listen to constituents. Um, I've been exchanging a number of emails with folks who've contacted me. I, you know, it's an important part of the process. Sure. Uh, these maps came to the house floor pretty quickly, um, and it's something that I will continue um, to consider. Um, the map did uh, the maps did pass um, both the house and the Senate, and so they've been sent to the governor. And I think she has uh, Governor Kelly has about ten days uh, ten days uh, to disapprove of those maps. 
maps. Um, so I'm not sure, uh, you know, is there still more of the process to go? Um, and uh, certainly um, it's um, not a perfect process, but it is, as it's currently find a defined a, a political you know process uh, it's been left to a, a political body and um, so uh, we've just done our best to, to um, uh, draw the, the best possible districts uh, that we can um, and it, I, I would point out um, you know I ran the numbers of the last congressional election where we elected our, our congressional folks and in these newly drawn districts, each of our uh, congressional folks that are currently serving would win those districts. Ah. Yeah. So um, there, there's that. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so, so um, I, I don't think that. Um, Maybe there's, you know, the numbers are not exactly what they they were, but um, uh, I, I, I that that was important to me. Sure. Um, deciding um, how to vote uh, on these maps, and uh, so we'll see what happens. Um, as I said, it's early in the process. Um, you know, we still have to do the um, uh, House uh, and uh, the Kansas House and, and the uh, Kansas Senate districts. And so we'll be coming um, to the floor, I'm, I'm sure, within the next several uh, weeks. Um, I think one good thing um, is we we work those congressional districts uh, pretty early in the session. Right. Uh, so that gives the governor time to review them, um, you know, if she proves great. If she doesn't, it gives, you know, the, the House and the Senate a chance to, uh, you know, review those maps again um, and, you know, to determine, a, you know, a way forward um, at, at that point. So. Sure. And, well, and you, and you make a good point, too, about, you know, of course, the congressional maps are just uh, the first kind of round of this because there are those uh, those legislative district maps. You know, as you as you hear from constituents and, and hear public feedback, uh, anything that, that stood out to you when it comes to the statewide uh, redistricting that people are concerned of, the, the, the same kind of concerns, you know, about communities and interests and keeping counties and cities together, that, 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 those, those same kind of uh, concerns, you know, uh, bleed over to the state level as well when people think about their, their uh, state-level redistricting? Oh, absolutely. I mean, at, you know, at every turn, we want to keep those communities of interest together, you know, as we can. Um, but the population and, and, and at the end of the day, you know, the numbers dictate what can happen and what can't. So, sure. um, it, it's really comes down to being, um, you know, a math problem and, you know, dividing the, the state and the, the districts up um, equally. Um, so. Yeah, so, well, and, you know, I think one thing probably everyone can, can agree on is the folks in legislative research who do the work to compile some of this stuff and put all oh. this, these maps together and run all the, these these numbers and do it sometimes on the turn of a, at the top of a hat are, are pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty incre incredible. And um, uh, you make a good point. I mean, we are incredibly blessed to have some very talented folks uh, who work on uh, the redistricting committee and on virtually every committee that I have seen. Um, 
we are blessed and we have some real experts in the state who take their jobs uh, and their service uh, to the legislature and, and to the state of Kansas as a whole uh, very seriously. Absolutely. Well, and, you know, speaking of committees, you, know, you mentioned earlier, of course, the uh, Commerce, Labor, and Economic Development, uh, one of the committees that, that you sit on. And one of the things, uh, of course, that you all um, are, are going to be taking up here soon is a, a bill that's related to some uh, some tax incentives that are going to a, a that could go to a company that we don't know the identity of as of yet. Uh, but one that uh, we are apparently in the running for uh, to recruit to Kansas. Uh, this is something for folks listening. You may have heard about what they call these mega projects uh, that are out there. Uh, so this uh, a company that could potentially be coming to uh, the state. Can you talk to folks a little bit about kind of how this how this works? Um, and then is this something that uh, you think the state should uh, should consider pursuing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have the good fortune of, of, of having a seat on the uh, uh, House Commerce Committee. And so uh, we have had a, a one day of hearings um, on what um, is called, uh, well, Senate Bill 347, and it's called APEX, Attracting Powerful Economic Expansion. And um, I would applaud um, Governor Kelly and her administration of Commerce. Um, this is um, quite an opportunity for the state of Kansas. Uh, there are a lot of details that um, are yet to be figured out, um, but certainly uh, when we get these, um, and I'll talk a, a little bit about the uh, specifics, but just the economic impact um, to the state, uh, you know, tr trying to figure out a way um, to, to, to provide an attractive um, incentive package for um, a mega project. Um, you know, I, I applaud um, the governor and the uh, administration for um, um, bringing the proposal and um, for trying to, to figure out a, a way to have a seat at the table and trying to negotiate with um, this unknown company uh, uh, for them to locate their, their business in Kansas. Um, as you said, it's a mega project. <laughs> mega. Which, uh, you, you know, I'm in committee and I'm trying to, some of these numbers, I'm like, no, what, what, what was that again? <laughs> so, um, so can't, it's my understanding and there, there, you know, there are, there's some commerce committee, the house commerce committee is not privy to all of the information. We, there's a bill before a committee that, um, the department of commerce and the administration is trying to, to, to get through the process. Um, so we, we, are not privy to all of the details, but, um, we know that, um, there have been since, uh, about 2007, um, Kansas has considered 11 mega projects, and none of those projects have been built in Kansas. Um, so, um, sort of a lost opportunity in my mind. These are these are projects that have you know the upwards of uh, you know four billion dollar investment for our state. Um, they project that the employment impact would be over more than 7,800 jobs with 440 million in labor income. Um, and then you, you think about um, the housing that goes with it. You think about, uh, you know, the other um, companies, um, 
that are, are needed to sort of support that mega. Uh, typically, these are um, you know um, manufacturing. You know, there's a move in the United States generally. Um, more common um, because of COVID and some of the supply chain uh, issues is, is to bring some of this, uh, some of the manufacturing back uh, into the States. And so, you know, we need to be prepared to do that, to take advantage of um, some of this. Um, you know, their uh, project is estimated to deliver 53.7 million annually to the state and local units. Um, indirect, indirect um, economic $2.5 billion annually. Um, so what the administration is trying to figure out and what ultimately the legislature uh, will decide is what sort of incentive program um, can, can we give in um, maybe credits to uh, tax credits uh, to, to um, uh, tax credits for um, payroll uh, reimbursement um, for uh, to reimburse uh, for expenses um, and um, you know then there's the suppliers and um, so you know there's a lot of, of details that need to be negotiated and need to be worked out but I think ultimately um, my sense is that the legislature is wanting to work with the administration uh, or wanting to, to pass a structure that makes um, sense for Kansas and the taxpayer in the Kansas economy um, and also is going to create an environment that uh, makes this unnamed manufacturing company select Kansas as, as the place to locate their business. Absolutely. That's, you know, it, it's, it's interesting. These things always seem, you know, kind of cloak and dagger-ish, uh, but there's, <laughs> you know, there, it, I think it happens even on the Topeka side of things, you know, when we think about GoTopeka and some of the development we've had here, I think when, when Mars came to town, I think Mars was Project like Project Lightning or something like that, had some kind of exciting code name or something like that when, uh, <laughs> before it opened here. But, you know, it's just kind of the, the nature of how those things work. Uh, you know, there's a lot of confidentiality and whatnot involved to protect their interests oh yes absolutely and and you know that's the nature of the beast and you know that's got to be the case um and um um but um it's nice to have um folks at the table and um you know making um sure that we're uh, best positioned in kansas um to uh, take advantage and and not lose out yeah uh, as we have in the past on on what is an incredible opportunity for uh the state of kansas and for our economy absolutely well and, and you know as we think about the the future too you know another uh other communities that you get to sit on with how is uh, house insurance and pensions and you know right now the the state of course uh, finished just last year with a, a pretty hefty balance um which has been exciting news for um, a, a lot of folks um you know how when you think about the future um, of what our, our budget situation looks like in the state and that sort of thing you know how confident are you that we'll be able to to continue in a good in a good fiscal position and also you know importantly fulfill the obligations that we have um to our, to our state retirees well, CAPERS is important to me. I, I have a number of um, uh, state employees who um, 
who, who live in the 52nd uh, House District. Um, I, um, you know, as the, the, the governor has um, uh, made a commitment in her budget to um, put some of the state surplus into the unfunded liability portion of CAPERS, mm-hmm. uh, I think you're going to see support um, at some level um, from from the legislature uh, to, 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 to support that. Um, and, uh, you know, now's the time to do it. Plus, um, you know, I would point out, and uh, if you haven't uh, met um, Stephen Johnson, you need to. Um, he is um, the chair of the Insurance and Pensions Committee, and um, he is um, a brilliant numbers uh, guy for the state, and we're fortunate to have him. Um, but he has been doing some things, uh, made some recommendations to do some uh, bonding. The bonding um, climate has been. Uh, really favorable uh, in recent years and even this last session we um, uh, we passed a bill uh, to do some bonding to uh, help uh, with that um, unfunded liability um, uh, piece of of capers that that, that the state needs to address so I'm I'm confident that we're um, headed in the right direction um the other thing that I would mention is that um, there's been a lot of talk about uh, with surpluses. You know, is this the time to do uh, a cost of living adjustment for oh, sure. state employees and um, retired um, Capers members? And um, so that's something that we're looking at. Um, it's something that I have um, voted for. Uh, I voted for last year. Unfortunately, um, uh, we weren't um, successful successful in getting that completely through the process, um, but I think uh, it's important and it's something that we need to um, continue to look at as um, our state retirees have experienced um, you know, an increase in, in their cost of living. Absolutely. Well, and, you know, it's one of those things, too, from a, a demographic perspective. It's interesting, you know, in coming years, we get the, the kind of demographics of the workforce. We're going to see, uh, you know, likely a, a, an increase here pretty soon of folks that are nearing retirement age. And so, you know, doing some of that advanced planning now hopefully set us up for some, some success here in the future. Yes, absolutely. And we have to remain competitive. Um, um, oops. Yeah. So I agree. Well, and, and you know, one thing actually I was going to ask you about, this actually goes back to the last legislative session, but I think this is just something that's interesting for uh, for folks to know. Um, you know, you actually authored um, a House resolution that was in support of the uh, relationship between Kansas and Taiwan. Uh, and a lot of folks, I, you know, I think don't always think about Kansas's place in, in kind of the broader world of international relations, but those kinds of things are, are important. Uh, can you talk a little bit about why those kinds of relationships are, are important for our state? Well, what a fun question, and, and <laughs> you have clearly done your homework, um, on which I'm I'm not surprised by. I just want to say that, <laughs> uh, but it's it's one of those things that 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 might get missed in the process, but. As you you said, it, it's um, it, it's something that's that's uh, very interesting, and and uh, I think probably most folks don't even know um, that it exists. But yes, um, so we passed um, 
a uh, resolution um, and um, maybe I'd give a little bit of background uh, first. Um, Kansas and Taiwan entered into a sister state relationship back in 1989. Um, yeah, so this has been uh, somewhat ongoing and it's significant uh, for for trade. Um, the resolution um, recognized uh, what tai- Taiwan had uh, donated, uh, which was uh, 100,000 surgical masks, uh, some N95 mask um, to support Kansas medical workers uh, on the front lines as, as we were um, trying to deal with um, COVID-19 and the pandemic here um, on the home front in, in Kansas. So, um, so that's significant. Yeah. Um, so this has been a longstanding um, relationship. Um, and, um, you, you know, on the other side, um, they re- uh, lifted restrictions on beef imports. So it provided mm-hmm. an opportunity for um, Kansas ag uh, farm producers um, uh, to have a, a marketplace um, for their um, uh, for beef. So, um, resolution, um, uh, really praised kind of our relationship and the, and the trade, um, that we have, um, uh, with Taiwan and, uh, it celebrated, um, the 32nd anniversary of, uh, our sister. So, um, significant to, again, um, the Kansas economy, specifically the, the ag, um, industry and, um, you know, I think mutually beneficial to, uh, both, uh, the state of Kansas and to Taiwan. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, you know, I think it's just, it's, it's, it's interesting for folks like, to know that, you know, we, I think that's one of the things that we recognize as, uh, as we, you know, enter a, a really age where even, even states like Kansas, you know, where we reside right here in the middle of the heartland, you know, we still have economic interests that span well outside our, our, our borders. Um, and I think that was something that will probably only continue to grow um, in the future. Well, we certainly hope so. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Well, before uh, before we get out of here, of course, we always like to do uh, something fun when we have elected officials on. So we do have uh, a fun little lightning round of a uh, small set of questions here about some of your some of your favorites uh, in the 52nd House District, if that's all right with you. Absolutely. All right. So the first question is your favorite attraction in your district. Uh, you're going to make me pick one. <laughs> <laughs> we, we're uh, we're on a tight ship here on Dawsonburg. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, I like to play golf, and uh, my oldest is uh, is is picking up the game as as well. And I I have to say that um, it has has to be Cypress Ridge Golf Course. It's a good. That's a good choice. That's good. As, as someone who is a very, 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 very casual golfer, I, I approve of that. <laughs> I approve of that choice for sure. <laughs> uh, let's see your favorite local restaurant in your district. Um, boy. That I, I don't I have to admit I don't have a lot of restaurants in my house district, um, but I uh, the ones that I, I I'm gonna have to pick Blue Moose. Good it's choice. Casual environments. Um, it's locally owned. Um, you can 
go there and have a casual, uh, you know, uh, a little bite to eat, or you can have, you know, a good steak. So, um, I'd have to say blue moose. Absolutely. They're, they're dollar 50 beer nights. Uh, help me on many a night <laughs> in law school for sure. So yes. that's our they place also, to go. <laughs> they also have a good wine night. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, let's see uh, your favorite outdoor location in your district. Well, let's see. I would, you know, I would say the Midwest Health Aquatic Center. Oh, yeah. Yeah. uh, Fairly, gosh, I lose track of time. Um, We're just fortunate to have... um, the aquatic center, it has slides, it has some outdoor activities. Um, the project was um, uh, helped by the Midwest Health um, folks, and um, it's um, it's certainly one of my family's favorite outdoor locations uh, in the summertime. Absolutely. Well, I mean, that whole quarter right there is going to be pretty hopping here in a couple of years. I know they've got the, that Venus approved a, a master plan there to add a whole new park area just south of there. So it's going to turn into be quite the destination out there. Yes. We like destinations, right? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so this next question here, this is a, this is a, a ringer of a question. So this is, you can have some uh, shameless self-promotion uh, in this uh, area, your favorite <laughs> local business in your district. Well, I, I assume you uh, thought I would select my business, but my <laughs> business, uh, our, our business is not located in our district. Uh, gotcha. uh, yeah, we're a little bit outside. So, you know, I continue and uh, Advisors Excel um, is, you know, uh, Cody Foster and uh, those guys um, were at Washburn about the same time that I was and to sort of watch what they've been able to do and more importantly, the the impact uh, to the uh, Topeka community where they're you know working to redevelop uh, downtown and um, Advisors Excel is um, certainly um, it, it's a little bit bigger of a, a local business. Sometimes we we think of you know the small mom and pop shop or those um, when we're thinking of local businesses, but we can't forget that that started as um, uh, small and uh, they have certainly grown um, into something that's that's very sp- special and, and something that we can be uh, proud of uh, in our community. So absolutely. And they employ like half the people I know too. So it's <laughs> yes. pretty good. And there's that. <laughs> right. yes. uh, if you could describe your district in one word, what would it be? Boy. I hope we're inclusive. Oh, that's good. You know, like we, we live uh, politically and um, sort of a, a interesting, weird time. Um, and I hope that we never lo- lose perspective. You know, we're all Americans. I'm a Republican. I, re- I, I represent both Republicans and you know, Democrats in my district. And at the end of the day, we've got to remember that, you know, we're the 
greatest country in the, in the, in the world. And, and there's a reason for that. And, um, I think part of that has been because we've been inclusive. Um, and I certainly hope that, um, and I, I know that, um, my district is inclusive and, and, um, so I guess that's, that's the word I landed on. So that's the question. Yeah, absolutely. I like that. I like that. Um, and then the last one, what is your hope for the future of your district? Well, we're very blessed in our district, Southwest Shawnee County. Um, I hope that we're able to continue. We, we are blessed with wonderful school districts, um, 437. Uh, we have a bit of 501 um, and what they're doing. Um, it, you know, we, we uh, got to continue to offer um, our kids a first class uh, educational experience. Uh, I think our, our school districts have been known for that. And uh, certainly something that I hope um, and I know will continue um, into the future. Very good. That's a good. That's a good note to end on, right there. I like that. Oh, Jesse, thanks for for hanging out with us tonight. Well, my pleasure. Um, it's always good to visit with you, and I appreciate you staying in tune to to. to some of the most important issues that are facing, uh, that are before the legislature and facing our state. And, uh, uh, it's an important part of the process. So I'm happy to come on at any time. Absolutely. Hey, we'll take, we'll take you up on that for sure. Sounds good. Also uh, for folks out there listening, go ahead and stay tuned. Up next, we will wrap things up like we always do with our take action moment of the night. Remember you are listening to Ballots and Brews here on KSF 75 Live Radio. Alrighty, everyone, it is time to wrap things up with our take action moment of the night. Uh, just a few things for you to know. Uh, first, as you heard uh, Representative Borjan mention earlier, uh, we just finished congressional redistricting in the legislature, uh, but we still have to do redistricting for our state legislative district. So the fun isn't over just yet. Um, as a reminder, to keep up to date with the latest proposals and news about redistricting, uh, you can actually go to the Legislative uh, Research Department's website on redistricting, and we've made you a fancy little short link to get there. Um, that link is just bit, B-I-T dot L-Y slash K-S redistricting. Uh, so it's bit dot L-Y slash K-S redistricting. And we'll make sure to put that link on our social medias as well. Um, on that website, you'll see any of the proposed maps that are currently out there, as well as resources, like uh, some maps that show the population shifts that have happened um, in the state, um, as well as information on the last round of redistricting. So you can see what happened back in 2012. Uh, we'll also be sure to alert you on our social media when those committees start working those maps so that you can tune in and contact your legislators as you see fit. Um, on the city side, uh, a reminder again about the city council meeting next Tuesday, where the council will be hearing from nonprofits about the need they see in the community um, and how the city should distribute this $45 million in one-time funding, courtesy of the American Rescue Plan Act. Uh, this really is a huge opportunity for the city. Rarely do you get an opportunity to get this much money all at once. And so how we choose uh, to spend those dollars will be hugely consequential. So you'll want to tune in for that. 
Uh, speaking of the city, by the way, if you are a business owner who would like to do business with the city, uh, the city is having one of their Doing Business with the City webinar events on February 14th from 5 to 6 p.m. Uh, at this event, city officials walk you through pretty much everything you need to know um, from how to find information on city departments, navigating the city's online bidding portal, making bids, and how to find out about upcoming bid opportunities. Um, this really is a great event, especially for people with sometimes smaller businesses who might not know how to take advantage of these systems to win city contracts. So be sure to pass the word along, and we will also post this information on our social media pages. Uh, and that, folks, is it for our show tonight. Uh, thanks, as always, for tuning in. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook. We're just Ballots and Brews on Facebook um, or Twitter, at Ballots Brews on Twitter. Um, you can also subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts to stay up to date and not miss any episode. Um, if you like what you hear, feel free to leave us a review on those channels as well. Um, until next week, everyone, please, please, please stay safe and healthy. Drink some good beer, and we'll see you next week here on Ballots and Brews on KSF 785 Live Radio. This is
Every new beginning comes from some other 